Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Jared Schwitzke. Before we get to Jared, I have a few announcements to make. Of course, the website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there and see photos of all our guests. You can read their stories. You can see links to all their social media. You can see links to all our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. If you want to follow me and my showbiz career, and personal site that's funnymike.com and funnymike on Twitter. Any follows on all those formats, I would appreciate. You can also see links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, I ask as always, please give us a good rating. I'd appreciate that. That costs you nothing and it helps boost our presence because more people can find the show, the more good reviews we have. And that's always a cool thing. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And speaking of writing me, our next guest wrote me, and he got on the show, folks. Now, I admit he has something to promote. So Jared's business is something called Air Mule, and I've known people who were couriers before, and it always seemed kind of intriguing to me. And I know a lot of uh, travel hackers listen to us. Some people who uh, do a lot of mileage runs. I can name a few offhand. I won't name you by name, but you know who you are. And sometimes it gets to the end of the year. You want to maintain your platinum or executive platinum status or whatever status you might have. And you got to do a quick run. Well, this is perfect for that. If you live on the West Coast, especially, this comes in really handy because you can fly to China and back. And if you're just taking carry-on, you're allowed two check bags, and they'll give you two check bags or one check bag or whatever you want to take, and they'll pay you. And if you're like me, you seem a little nervous at first, you go, wait a minute, somebody else has given me a bag? I don't know what's in it. And of course, maybe the mule and air mule makes you a little bit nervous as well, but it's legit. And Jared talks about it, and uh, it's a cool idea. So if you're thinking of going to China, you want to make a few extra bucks on the way, heck, it could even pay for your entire flight. Well, then you're going to want to listen to Jared Schwitzke and the story of Air Mule. And let this be a lesson for you out there who uh, maybe want to be on the show yourselves, and you have something to promote. If I like what you're promoting, I'll put you on. Every talk show does it on television. Of course, they're getting paid. I got to work on that. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with Air Mule's Jared Schwitzke. Okay, so we are here in your office in uh, Air Mule, which is a courier service. Now, I, the only thing I know about a courier service is uh, I was telling you this a little before we started. There was a woman I used to work with that her and her husband were couriers, and I would talk to her on Monday, and she'd say she went to China and back in a weekend. And that was the most crazy thing to me. And all she did was fly to China, drop off a package. Someone was there in the airport to take it, and she turned around and got back on a plane again, 20 hours or whatever it was. Is this what you do? 
This is exactly what we do, and I'm actually going to have to ask that if you speak to this woman again, please refer her <laughs> to us because we are only currently operational between the U.S. and China. But essentially, um, we act as a broker between flyers or travelers that have excess luggage space and shipping companies that are shipping uh, commercial items internationally. So when you say excess luggage space, does that mean if I just take a carry-on, I have excess luggage space? Exactly. So on most international flights, we're actually entitled to about two free check bags. Most airlines, other than one who I'll leave out of this, but most airlines are actually going to give you two free checked bags. So if you're going to travel, if you're a light traveler, then why not use that extra space to make some money? <laughs> so how did a nice young man from South Carolina come to LA and get a job being an air mule? How does that happen? Yeah, so I was actually, I was listening to your episode, uh, your most recent episode um, with Katrina, I believe it was her name. I have a very similar story to Katrina's. Um, I uh, was, you know, born, raised, went to high school, college, everything within about two hours of each other. So when I graduated, I wanted to get as far away from South Carolina as I possibly could. So I accepted this job in Colorado and from there eventually made my way into Silicon Valley, literally and figuratively working for uh, big tech companies in the Bay Area. And uh, the golden handcuffs, as they say, became strapped on, right? I was getting, um, you know, a healthy salary, free food, buses that take you to and from work. But I was I was as dead as you could be inside. I was miserable. Um, so I eventually left uh, that industry to uh, try and focus on my own sort of skill set. I'm in the marketing space. And so I eventually came across Airmule on angellist.com. And then uh, from there, interviewed, applied, uh, got the job, and here I am. That's a pretty good story. So if uh, so, tell me about the company and when it started and what year did you get involved? Yeah, so we were founded in late 2015 and we began operating in about April of 2016. Um, I started having conversations with the co-founders November of last year and then eventually was hired this year, so around January of 2017. Uh, so yeah. How was the pitch? I mean, how did they win you over to fly around the world? I mean, a lot of us, uh, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're into travel. You, uh, you like flying around, but what does the job entail and how much time does it take out of your life and how much free time, if any, do you get when you get to these locations? Yeah, so most of the traditional onboard couriers, uh, they do this professionally. They will get a phone call at 11 at night and they'll be required to hop on a plane uh, at one in the morning, right? Three hours later, this is what you're going to do. This is your job. You have to go rent a car, pick up the package, go to the airport. Once you land, rent another car, get it's completely on them. Of course, they're compensated quite handsomely for this service. Uh, what we're doing is a bit different than the traditional onboard courier model. So what we do is we allow travelers who are basically already flying. That's who we're targeting. So a, a traditional onboard courier is going to say, you're going to do this job for us. What we're more so saying is you're flying between the US and China with only a carry-on, here's what you can do. So when you ask how long does it take to use our service or what, what it's it's very simple. You, our travelers never have to leave the airport. So um, we actually meet them at the airport with their containers and we meet them uh, when they land as well at their arrival and departure airport. So you go on about your trip, you do com whatever you're doing. You could stay for a day, stay for two weeks, stay for three days. It doesn't matter. It's just It's all a matter of if you feel like uh, flying as a courier with us or not. So let me paint a scenario for you. I'm thinking of, say I'm thinking of going to Tokyo in February. I call you up, give you the dates, or do I go to the website, give you the dates, and say, I'm, willing, I'm just taking carry-on. 
You, so I got some, uh, I can check a bag. What's the bag? And is there uh, weight limits? Is there what kind of, because you know, a lot of people are listening to this and going, what kind of uh, contraband am I, ta- a mule is right there in the name. So, I mean, this could be shady. So how do you convince people to take, uh, hey, take this mysterious package? The one thing they t- ask you at the airport and go, do you know who packed your bags? Well, I got this guy at Air Mule. So what kind of things are we taking? Yeah, so uh, we we don't do ourselves any favor with the name, but we we <laughs> we uh, we like to have fun with it. It's a very tongue in cheek sort of atmosphere. But um, so yeah, you, for, to answer the first question, you will go to the website um, airmule.com and you list your trip, which is essentially just telling us uh, your departure date, your departure airport, your arrival times, things of that nature, and then it goes into our platform. And so similar to when. Uh, you request a ride in Uber, you're not necessarily calling John or Christopher to come and get you. What you're just doing is placing a request that Uber then matches with a nearby driver. So with us, what you're doing is you're essentially placing uh, an, an availability, if you will. And then we take the process of matching those dates, those trips with um, nearby shipping companies that um, have partnered with us. So in terms of what you're actually shipping, we partner with local shipping companies that are shipping Typically, e-commerce items, hats, clothing, shoes. I mean, we get this question every day. We're, we're very aware of what our name implies. But I can assure you, um, you're, you're going to have maybe electronic items every now and then, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. So is it mostly, you say, like fashion and clothes and that kind of thing? Yeah. So if you think about the businesses that are shipping International Express items between the U.S. and China, the large majority of them, at least in this current sort of climate, uh, are fashion and e-commerce items. I mean, China has a middle class that's booming and they love their designer clothing, we're learning. (laughs) So uh, they're buying it here in the United States because there's such a large uh, market for fakes over in China. So again, yeah, hats, clothing, shoes, fragrances, maybe uh, an iPhone every now and then. But yeah. Is it mostly China or is it uh, all around the world? Where are you going the most? So currently we're only available between the US and China. And when I say between the US and China, what I really mean is are available airports. So we have seven here in the United States and we have over 16 in China. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce any of those names. Um, But you can use us if you're going, like you said, to Tokyo, because there are a lot of flights, for example, from San Francisco that go SFO, Beijing, and then Tokyo. If that's the case, yeah, you can use our service. Um, But currently we are only available in airports uh, select airports in the U.S. and China. So. so I have friends in Hong Kong. Is Hong Kong included in that? Unfortunately, no. No! <laughs> I thought I had a, a setup. <laughs> another, yeah, another... So just mainland. Exactly. So mainland China. We okay. don't do um, no Taiwan at the moment, no Hong Kong, no Macau. Oh, okay. Yeah. For Shanghai, you do? Shanghai, we do do, yes. Okay. Is Beijing your, your most common destination? Shanghai, actually. Beijing is where we started, but um, in terms of in terms of Western travelers going to China, it's I'd say eighty percent are favoring Shanghai over Beijing. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Let's say I got a flight to Shanghai, and then I, I write you and say, "Hey, this is when I'm leaving. I'm only taking carry on. Um, if you give me a package, I'll take it. What do I get? What's the pay scale?" Yeah. So we pay $150 per air mule travel box. And an air mule travel box is the container that you will take, which is full of shipments from our shipping partners. This travel box will take up one entire checked luggage space. And we allow our couriers to carry our maximum of four per round trip. So you could, at max, if you're traveling with only a carry-on, take two there and two back. You'll get $150 per air mule travel box on flights uh, between the U.S. going to China. And they would pay $100 
on um, flights coming from China back to the U.S. So maximum you could possibly earn is $500 through our service on a flight. Okay. So um, and you weigh it so it's not overweight or anything like that? You don't want to hit get hit with any of the penalties or weight penalties or anything? Yeah, absolutely. Most of the containers are going to weigh anywhere from 35 to 45 pounds, but they will always come under that 50-pound limit. Now, your offices here are right by the airport, right by LAX. Do you meet me at the airport, or do I have to stop by the office here and pick up the package and then go? Yeah, so we'll actually meet you at the airport. And at the very beginning, it was actually me, literally, meeting you at the airport <laughs> when we didn't have uh, more staff than we do now. But uh, we partner with um, various third parties to deliver the containers for us. So when the traveler arrives at the airport, we'll have already um, spoken to them to coordinate a time and a place to meet and all of these things. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll meet them right outside the terminal. We'll hand them the containers, sign some standard onboard courier paperwork. And then off they go. So you don't do any of the booking of the flights or anything like that? You don't have deals with airlines or that kind of thing? Not yet. Wink, wink. No, we, we don't do that yet. Um, we currently only allow, it's just if you've already booked your itinerary, you list it and then, you know, sign up essentially. Okay, so I delivered, say I'm just delivering a package one way. Say I'm just taking it to Shanghai. Uh, when, when do I get paid? Is it an online transaction or when it's received over there or when I come back? So it's direct deposit, and it's within 24 to 48 hours of confirming that you didn't take anything from our containers. <laughs> yeah. So, so give, me the, give me the pay scale again one more time. Just so, so going there was 150 each package, coming back 100 each pack. Yep, 150 per container uh, from the U.S. to China, $100 per container from China back to the U.S., maximum uh, $500 per round-trip flight. Okay. How I think it's, what is it? Uh, say they're directs from L.A., to to Shanghai. Is there? I think there is, isn't it? I, okay. How many hours is that? It's about 14 hours, 15? 12 to 14, yeah. 12 to 14. How many times have you done it? I've done it three times already this year. So <laughs> we're kind of forced to. We're indoctrinated. But you get the miles, though. And whoever's flying keeps the miles. That's their miles and everything else. Exactly, exactly. You get to keep the miles. We actually have a large portion of our our um, courier base that are mileage runners. So uh, the individual, oh, well, yeah. your friend earlier, they will hop on a plane, go to Beijing, and then within three hours, hop on a plane back to the United States, keep the miles. There you go. <laughs> I did a mileage run last year to keep my platinum status. Uh, but that was only to Vegas. That was easy. I would have taken a package there. But then I really wouldn't want to know what was in that package to Vegas. So, um, okay, so have you ever turned this into a, a vacation? Like going to, did you stay in China or did you just turn around and come back? Every single time it's been a bit of a vacation. So my first time actually visiting China was with this. Um, but uh, luckily, you know, our, our CEO, my boss, he's, he, he wants us to experience China, right? So he's like, go there, enjoy it, take a few days, see the sights. Uh, so every time I've done it, I've, I've had a few days to myself to just enjoy uh, the parts of China that um, I had never seen before. <laughs> Is there a guy there when I get off the plane with a, my name on a sign or a air mule on a sign and then I know where to go and he'll meet me at baggage claim? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it won't be your name specifically, but they will be wearing an air mule t-shirt to have a huge air mule sign. They're already in the airport. So once you land, you'll know where they are. Uh, one of the One of the critical steps to this is before... Um, before you even depart, what we end up doing is putting you into a group messaging thread on WeChat. If you know anything about WeChat, it's um, basically the only major accepted communication platform um, between the U.S. and China. They don't they don't like Facebook. They don't like YouTube. They don't like any of these things. So WeChat is everything in China. It's Amazon. It's Twitter. It's all of it wrapped into one um, fabulous platform. So we use that. You're you're put into a group chat, and through that group chat, you're able to discuss. Um, the logistics 
uh, with the staff in China and the staff in the United States. So if anything goes wrong, just let us know right then and there. Hey guys, flights delayed. Everyone knows immediately at once. So, what's the craziest uh, package you've delivered? The company's delivered that you wouldn't imagine somebody taking overseas. We at the very beginning of this, we shipped a lot of antique items, and I remember one time we had this collection of rare Michael Jordan cards. I mean, it was uh, playing cards from the 90s, right? I remember um, how big those used to be. And we had this collection and someone in China had purchased uh, from one of our shipping partners here in the United States, this book of hundreds upon hundreds of Michael Jordan cards. So uh, I, being a basketball fan myself, I thought that was actually quite extraordinary. <laughs> so I know we joked about the name and, you know, taking contraband and all that stuff. But is there some legal protection for people who do use the service and do check it? I mean, is there something they fill out that said, hey, if it does prove to be something, you know, maybe illegal, it's like a piece of ivory or something in there, uh, am I protected? Are you going to have their back if, if something happens? Yeah, absolutely. So a um, few steps to the, you know, a few notes on the whole safety and security issue. Um, one, we're working on the name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but... Um, so we, we only partner with TSA certified shipping companies. So all of the companies that we partner with are basically in this known database. So you can look them up and, and basically see their history and everything like that. So so that's one part. Uh, we have a team that manually inspects every single item that comes into our offices as well. We have another warehouse in Baldwin Park where uh, our our fabulous team just goes through everything and ensures we also maintain an internal list of items that aren't available um, to you know because it's not just illegal items. I mean certain cases. It, King James Version Bible is probably not going to be allowed right. into China, right? So it's not just illegal or illicit items. It's just prohibited items and fruit and things of that nature. Um, but also, uh, when we do hand off the container, we do have you know, sort of a liability release form, standard onboard courier paperwork that says, from the moment this container is sealed, Air Mule is taking full responsibility of any of the items within. And then... Um, when you land, if there are any issues at customs, we actually contract with a professional customs brokerage agency in China so that if an issue does come up, if they do, you know, have, you know, if China customs says, I believe these shoes are worth $50 and not 20. So we're going to charge a tax or, or things of that nature. Um, we'll, we won't want to inconvenience the traveler. So the traveler can go on about their way and we'll have our staff come in and sort of handle that issue. Yeah. Cause there's always the customs and immigration department. And if there's a hassle there, they're, are they going to go through the package that I checked and they're going to go through it with me standing there? Or is the guy I hand it off to going to handle that paperwork? Yeah, so it, in that instance, it depends. If it's going to take an hour or two, um, then they'll probably have to sit there and, and go through that, which um, in the spirit of full transparency, it does happen uh, very infrequently, very rarely. One out of every, I'd say, 500 containers we do um, get stopped for inspection. Um However, if it's going to be a much longer process, if there's a line of 45, 50 people um, and it's going to take 15 hours for this, then absolutely not. Go on about your way. You you let us know, hey, guys, I have an important meeting to make. Um, so I'd like you guys to have the agency come in ASAP. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll do that for them. Why does it pay more bringing the package back than taking it there? Shipping uh, is more expensive from the U.S. to China. So we're able to charge more from the U.S. to China. So we're able to pay more from the U.S. to China. Oh, so it pays more going. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Going into China. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to um, think about this. Well, so right now it's only China. So do you have a plan to expand to other locations as well? And how long do you think that will take? 
we hopefully want to be global. Everyone here working at this company, we, we want to be across every airport um, on the planet. We just, you know, we baby steps, if you will. Um, but we are hoping to open up uh, Japan and Australia in 2018, which are big destinations, especially for people in California, uh, Tokyo, just in general. So we're hoping for that in 2018. And we get a lot of requests for Hong Kong. It's it's the most visited. I, I believe it's the most traveled city on the planet, yeah. traveled to city on the planet. Everybody so goes through Hong Kong. yeah, so we uh, we're, we're hoping to get that in 2018. So who's the typical air mule? Is there a certain age demographic or kind of person that, that does this? Who Who is the kind of people you've been getting going there? Yeah, we have four four main types of people who have been using our service. First, uh, and the most obvious, is the Chinese citizen. Either they're born in China or um, they're of Chinese descent and they live in the United States and they have family and relatives in China. So that's the first one. Uh, second, we have a lot of mileage runners, people that just want to use our service to sort of rack up those miles. And then we have uh, deal seekers, right? The adventure travelers, right? The, the people that just want to visit every corner on the planet. So their next trip is basically, you know, where, what is the most convenient or what is the most available place or location I can go to. And then obviously, uh, business travelers, a lot of business travel. So we have a lot of small business owners that are trying to sort of save a little bit on their own costs between the U S and China. So those are the four main people using our service currently. Now, China, one of the reasons I haven't been to mainland China, I've been to Hong Kong twice and Taiwan twice. So I've been to China, you know, light, but I haven't really been to mainland China. And one of the reasons is uh, visas. You need a separate visa for mainland China. So uh, so a lot of these people are going, uh, if you just turn around and come back, you don't have to get a visa, do you? Or is there a time frame? Exactly, yeah. There's a three-day, and it's actually recently, earlier, I think it was a month or two ago, it was expanded to five-day for Beijing and Shanghai. But there's a three-day and five-day visas where if your final destination is not China. So, for example, if you are, uh, as I said earlier, going from Los Angeles or New York to Beijing and then to Tokyo, you just have to show the itinerary and show that you're actually leaving China and they'll give you a three-day pass. So you actually won't need the visa. And it's free? It is free. It's just a lengthy sign-up process. The only thing you pay for is your time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, give me some of the places. Or you've done the trip three times, you said, right? Yes. Okay. Is there an airline you favor or did, was it coach? I mean, what's... What's the typical flight to Shanghai like? So I I prefer Delta. Uh, I'll give them a plug here. I okay. prefer Delta. Yeah. Um, CEO of our company I used to work at was a former COO at Delta. So bit, I'm, I'm a bit partial to them. Uh, but I prefer Delta uh, as far as you know, terms of coach or anything. I've fun fact: I've actually never flown first class. So hopefully, uh, my boss is listening and will maybe throw me a writ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should be building up miles for some upgrades here. Yeah, I, I've never flown. So I was flying economy, but uh, yeah, I just I kicked back, um, free drinks. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> just had the wine coming, uh, caught up on a few good movies, uh, and then landed in Beijing and Shanghai. So uh, round trip to or one way to Beijing or Shanghai. Do you know the mileage? offhand for all our mileage hackers out there? Yeah, absolutely. It's around eleven to 15,000 miles. So uh, we, as I said, we have... Uh, One way. Round trip. Round, round trip. trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have around seven. We have the we support three major areas in the United States, greater New York area, uh, San Francisco Bay area, and then Southern California. And the range from JFK all the way to LAX, which I believe is, you know, um, is about anywhere from 11 to 15,000 miles round trip. Okay. So, uh, you say you do Southern California. Does that mean I can leave from, uh, San Diego airport or any of the other airports around here or only LAX? 
in typical uh, LA egotistical fashion, by Southern California, I meant just LA. <laughs> <laughs> and SFO up in exactly, and sit in the Bay Area. We have San Francisco, o- um, excuse me, San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. Okay, um, this is kind of interesting. I mean. Do people get suspicious of you when they ask you why you're on the plane? And so you're going to China for a few days. And what do you tell them? Ah, I'm just taking a package. And they go, <laughs> interesting. Um, how do you describe what you do to people? I mean, well, you're kind of doing it now, but at the shorthand in the elevator, what do you what do you tell people you do? Yeah. So my my elevator pitch is typically um, we the onboard courier industry. And, and to answer your question from earlier in the show, when you were asking, what do you say when they ask you who packed your bags? We, we advise all of our couriers don't ever lie in that situation. The last person you want to be dishonest with is a customs official. Uh, so we tell them, say, no, I did not pack this, but I'm flying as an onboard courier. The thing about this industry that's, that's interesting is that it's actually existed for decades. DHL, a multi-billion dollar shipping company started as an onboard courier industry in 1969, I believe that delivered time-sensitive documents from San Francisco to Honolulu, Hawaii. So this industry has existed hand-in-hand for decades. The only thing that we're doing a bit different is the way that it's approached. So similar to, you know, Uber didn't invent the idea of paying someone to give you a ride somewhere, right? Uh, Airbnb didn't invent the idea of of paying someone for for hospitality to stay in a room. They just did it slightly differently. We we didn't invent the idea of using excess luggage space to ship goods for a shipping company. We're just doing it a bit differently with this platform that's easily accessible and, and you know like that. So what is the weight requirement? It's like forty pounds or something like that. So the maximum is fifty pounds, but we we're not gonna we're not gonna give you a container that's like forty nine point one because then you get someone behind the day who's having a bad day. Going to turn you around. So, uh, for our purposes, the containers are going to weigh anywhere from thirty-five to forty-five pounds. So it's got to be cheaper. As say, if it's my business and my package, it's my package. Hi, f- <laughs> hi, folks. Um, but it's got to be cheaper for. It's got to be cost-effective for the business owner to have me fly it over there than to just ship it by DHL, right? I mean, is it, I mean, what does it cost to ship a package from like FedEx or DHL or one of these things? to Shanghai from LA, uh, 40 pounds worth of goods. I mean... Yeah, so the the standard sort of uh, model that we throw out to everyone is if you're going to ship an iPhone in its package, in its case, package, in its case. Yeah. <laughs> Back to package. We're, we're children here, folks. <laughs> uh, if you're going to ship an iPhone in its case, unopened, uh, from Los Angeles to Beijing, that's going to cost you anywhere from 20 to $30 using a more traditional shipping company like FedEx. And, and keep in mind here, the shipping partners that we service are International Express shipping providers. So these are companies that want their items delivered in three to five days, five to seven days maximum. So to get that item from the LA to China, three to seven days through FedEx or UPS, anywhere from 20 to $30, that cost with us is about $3. So it's significantly cheaper, yeah. Okay, so if I have just a small like a, a 10 pound package. And then, so it would be cheaper for me. I can almost carry that on. Couldn't I? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the typical savings through our service are about 70%. Now, if you're the business owner and you want to do this yourself once or twice, absolutely. But, um, you know, I would also, I would actually recommend don't use us, just do it yourself. Right. Um, however, you know, you do sort of cross that line of commercial intent and things of that nature because you're using it for your commercial intent. The reason why onboard couriers, um, are allowed to do this is because it's not for their commercial intent. They are just acting as the, the shipping medium. So, you know, you as the courier have no plans to, once you land in China, 
uh, well, hopefully you have no plans to take our iPhone and go and sell it. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of why it's a, a little bit different. Well, I'm just wondering if I could uh, like almost double dip it, whereas I have a 40-pound package I can check through the bags, but also like a smaller 10-pound thing that I could put in my backpack and carry it on. Would I get paid for two packages bringing it over? So the only way the only way we operate is with the containers, the Air Mule travel box. So um, it's either one, when you list your trip on our platform, you're, you're making yourself available with one container because you list your trips in, in legs. So um, from LA to China or from, from the US to China, we'll say. Uh, you're going to let us know if you can courier one or two Air Mule travel boxes. So we don't give our couriers examples like an iPhone. We won't give them an individual item to put in their own sort of checked on baggage because that, that also there's a bit of a security flaw there as well. We, we actually want all of our containers to go through checked baggage space because there's an added security measure, an added security element to that as well. Well, I've never been to, uh, like I said, I've never been to mainland China, but I have been to Hong Kong and Taiwan a couple times each and their airports are beautiful. How are the uh, Beijing and Shanghai airports uh, how do they rank up there with in terms of like hassle, um, efficiency, cleanliness, the whole deal? How do they? How are they? Sure. So they're they're fairly efficient. I'll say that um, both are efficient, both are clean, both are sort of well organized in terms of getting a country with 1.4 billion people and their two most popular airports. Uh, but Shanghai, <laughs> Shanghai is leagues above Beijing, in my opinion. However, um, for your listeners, if you want to, if you want to have a, uh, if you want to see a beautiful image, just research the upcoming uh, airport that is going to be launched in uh, Beijing. It is, it is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. So at that time, I'm sure Beijing will usurp, usurp, excuse me, um, Shanghai by leagues. When's that supposed to be finished? I think 2020s, I believe. Oh. Last I checked, yeah. You think they would fix that before the uh, before the Olympics? That's one of those projects you think they would have gotten, <laughs> um, but they got everything else going. Um, so, of the time you spent in China, and not having been there, give me your uh, travel tips for Shanghai and Beijing. What do I need to see? So, if you're going to go to Beijing, uh, fairly obvious, check out the wall. Um, definitely want to go there. But other than now what wall are you talking about? <laughs> there's this really massive wall. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, Matt Damon started it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, check out the the Great Wall of China for sure. But then in Beijing, something that is very very unique to Beijing as well is so this idea of a hutong, which is this. Uh, if you have if you if you're claustrophobic, you're gonna hate this <laughs> whatsoever. But it's this very narrow street that is absolutely crammed with businesses and apartment complexes and things of that nature. But it's called a hutong. So those are beautiful as well. And if you're going to go to Shanghai, Shanghai doesn't really have, in my opinion, these iconic destinations like the Great Wall of China. But Shanghai is the New York City of of China. The easiest way I can I can describe in examples are Beijing is like D.C., right? You're not going to. You're not gonna go on a bachelor's trip to DC, or maybe you are. I don't want to knock DC, but you're not gonna take your your you know your girls or your boys out to to Washington DC for a fun night downtown. But you will go to Washington DC to view the White House, to view the historical monuments. That's how Beijing is. If you want to go to uh, a place with a little more Western culture, that's definitely Shanghai. But um, you know, we we are also available in most every major area in China, Chengdu, Shenzhen, a lot of other words, names I can't yeah. pronounce. So I, I wouldn't say just limit yourself to Shanghai or China. Also, you know, check out some of the more hidden hidden yeah. places in the area. Well, there's like 20 cities in China that are all over like 10 million people or something. It's, it's insane. <laughs> but every time I look at, uh, I've seen photos of Shanghai, it just seems so 
futuristic, like Blade Runner like. I mean, is it that pretty wild and and it is pretty futuristic. I, it was a lot of fun last time I was there. I'm a basketball fan myself, um, walking down. And they love basketball. Then. Yeah, exactly. They're loving it. They're loving it. Um, I think I believe basketball is actually now the most popular sport on the planet. It took over soccer, but solely due to the yeah. Chinese population. But um, it was a lot of fun. You, they have this area that is very much like Times Square. Times Square, excuse me. It's the main area of Shanghai, and there's this big poster of Steph Curry, right, and this, you know, the Samsung Galaxy and things of that nature. But yeah, it's it's definitely a futuristic Western vibe. You can tell that they kind of catered to the the Western travel market when they were designing and building Shanghai. Does Stefan Marbury play in Shanghai? He's yeah, he's the Beijing Ducks, I believe. Uh, Last yeah, I checked, yeah, exactly. They they won. finally won something. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's like a huge star there, right? Yeah. And his shoes are also made there, so yeah, okay. it's a win-win for him. <laughs> yeah. Along with everything else is made there. So, um, has this taught you anything about like we always talk about China? Well, they're big in well now with politics and everything, um, the trade deficit and all this. What have you learned? about China that you can bring back to America and tell your friends back in South Carolina, no, this is the way it is. Uh, what are the misconceptions people have about China, you think, in America anyway? Well, right off the bat, if you can't beat them, join them, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the amount of pollution. Make make no mistake about it. There is absolutely more pollution in China than there is anywhere else. But uh, the images that get purported on the news media, the people with the masks, and it's always the worst day of smog that they'll show the photo of. It's not that bad. I've been there. They have a lot of applications that kind of show you when you're going to be able to do that. But the number one takeaway for me is I think China is a country that is much more technologically um, I don't want to say advanced isn't the word, but they are much more technically capable than most Americans give them credit. Again, um, you capture 1% of the American audience or 1% of the European audience, and you're doing very well for yourself. But if you can capture 1% of the Chinese market, you're a unicorn. So that has led to this explosion of tech growth in China because everyone wants to be, in, especially with the middle class over the past 20 years in China, every, it seems like everyone has gotten a lot of money over there. And so now everyone's starting to spend more. Everyone's starting to, you know, of course, innovation brings along all of these new companies. So um, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more technologically advanced than people give her credit for. Okay, now we're going to get to one of my favorite subjects, which is the food. Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten sick there? Not yet. Okay. Fortunately. However, uh, each time I've gone, I have been with my coworkers, and they have been able to sort of lead the way. So I'll sit down, and, and you know, they all speak fluent Mandarin, right? Oh, okay. So they'll be able to sort of tell me what I should and should not eat. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, you speak any? You've picked up any of the language? I know a few phrases. Ni hao ma, hello, shishé. Probably butchering that, by the way. <laughs> but I can basically say hello and thank you. So hello, thank you, hello, yeah. thank you. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you ate over there? Have you tried any of the insects on the stick or anything? Uh, no, none of the insects on the stick. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of body parts of animals that I'm uncomfortable discussing. Livers, organs, things of this nature. A uh, hot pot is really big in China. So they come out with this. Yeah, they come out with this massive plate of very interesting looking items, right? And you put it in hot water and then you eat it. And uh, it's it's interesting, but it's good, right? Just spice it up. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Szechuan hot pot that I always wanted to try because I love spicy food and stuff like that. Um, so um, have you ever used this as a launching pad to go, well, it's like, well, while I'm here, why don't I just jet on over to Australia or something? Have you done that? 
Not yet, not yet. But the the three times that I have used the service this year, um, all three were in Beijing, and then I took the bullet train to Shanghai. So I guess I kind of jet setted to Shanghai, which uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been on one of these things, but three hundred kilometers an hour it's absurd I was going, uh, from tokyo to- yeah it's uh god mind-blowing so yeah and don't you ride one of those bullet trains and go why can't we get this going here we just it's like powerful lobbies have kept you know just like between the car and the the car and the airport industries airplane industries they just haven't they just fight it but every time i drive to vegas i'm going how do we not have just some 300 mile an hour train and just blasting through this desert because it's so cool, right? I mean, it's just it's like flying, but you're on the ground. Is there a thing where you can do like inter-China currying, something like that? Not yet, not yet. Hopefully, we'll get that launched soon enough. But um, the there's a very big shipping company in China that we've partnered with. They pretty much own that market. So we we've been fortunate enough to partner with them on shipments coming into China. But they pretty much own inter-China shipping and. Well, we're not going to compete with yeah. them. <laughs> is it? But is there like a uh, Chinese version of Air Mule where like Chinese citizens will fly over here with a package? So you can actually you can list a trip from China to the United States. So again, you know, I think it's no secret there are much more Chinese flowing into the United States than there are Americans flying into China. A lot of people think of our company like, oh, this is for you know Westerners going to China, which it is, but they kind of stop to realize that there's a lot more Chinese people coming into the United States. So if they're coming here, they got to go back, right? So, um, or at least you'd think they want to go back. Yeah. Um, Some but, of them don't. Some of them don't go back. Yeah. They just buy uh, buy my house. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, a lot of times when they list their trips from China back in the U.S., we'll get them on their trips coming in and then, you know, get them on the way back. So now San, San Francisco, L.A., not Vancouver, though. Not yet. No Vancouver. Okay. No Vancouver, Washington, or Vancouver, Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be a good market, though, to get in lots of lots of uh, traffic between those two. Have uh, have any like say Australians use this and say, "Hey, man, I'm coming over to L.A. and I'm gonna go through China. Hook me up." Well, one of our co-founders was actually Australian, oh, so yeah. I guess I could say yes, right? Okay. <laughs> He's living in L.A. for the past <laughs> 15 years, so I don't know. Um, but no, we've had a lot of interest from the Australian market. We haven't had anybody. To my knowledge, we haven't had anyone fly specifically from Australia to China just to use our service. Not yet. Um, hopefully someone will. But um, we, we've had a lot of interest from shipping partners in Australia because there, there are also a lot of flights that actually route through Australia or Sydney, um, Melbourne, before you actually go into China. So, Well, let's talk about you. And now that you got this whole travel bug and you got a bunch of miles now, where are you going to go? What are, what are your dream destinations, your top three? My favorite subject, me. Um, <laughs> now, uh, my top three destinations right now, uh, number one is Tokyo. I have I've never been to Tokyo. I am dying to go to Tokyo. And then not necessarily a city, but Southeastern Asia. Um, I keep hearing how there's two reoccurring themes whenever people talk about Southeastern Asia, which right. exactly, it's, it, the two reoccurring themes are one, it is gorgeous, and two, it is incredibly inexpensive. Uh, so that's one as well. And then I do want to explore more of Africa. I've only been into Morocco, but there's, I mean, they, that's, that's really it. I'd love to go to South Africa. Cape Town keeps getting rated as one of the best cities in the world. Cape Town is gorgeous. Yeah. So hopefully I'll, I'll get to explore that someday. But yeah, say Tokyo, Southeast Asia, uh, South Africa. All good places. All good places. Well, I still haven't been to uh, Morocco. That's on my list. That's, that's still the, the, did you go just to a few cities? How long were you in Morocco? Yeah, so um, you know, back when I had this whole travel 
sort of, you know, realization that I would rather travel than work 80 hours a week in a job that I hate. Uh, I did a two month Europe trip. So I knocked out a lot of the major hotspots. This was actually my first international experience ever was two months abroad. Uh, and so what we did is we, uh, a group of friends and I that had met at a hostel, as you do um, yeah. when you're traveling in Europe, uh, we were in Granada and uh, this was on Christmas Eve and we we're having Christmas Eve dinner at the hostel and we decided, you know, what are we going to do on Christmas? Well, why not take a ferry? I had no idea this was impossible, but you can take a ferry from the tip of Spain and Granada into Morocco. Yeah, exactly. For th it's 30 minutes. I was like, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> Knock a whole continent off. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was how we got there. Did you go to uh, like Fez or did you just go to Marrakech or where did you go? Just, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. It was just, oh, Tangier. Excuse me. Oh, Tangier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was into Tangier. We took the ferry from, uh, from, from Granada into Tangier. And um, surprisingly, we went to this restaurant. And from the looks of it, I was not expecting a great meal. I mean, it was, it, it looked a little disjointed. It was, you know, very, if I were to start a restaurant in my backyard, it, it just had that feel. It, was, it wasn't, you know, they're not policed as, as much as, you know, <laughs> yeah. as restaurants are here in the United States. So I was not expecting, and it was to this day, it was one of the top five meals I've ever had in my life. We, we overlooked, uh, we were overlooking the ocean sitting there. It was, it was just, it was a beautiful moment. But yeah, we, we stayed in Tangier, which was a really interesting city. Yeah, that's, that's You've got a good list there. We got a, I could uh, tip you to, on a couple places that you mentioned, but uh, yeah, it's a big world. Once you realize how big it is, you're like, oh man, I haven't been there yet. I haven't been there. Want to see that? Um, so now that you're doing this, I mean, how long do you think uh, you'll stay with the company, or do you do you see it branching off into different kinds of uh, things, or like give us give us your overall picture? If I'm uh, going to put stock in this company, sure. sure. I, I mean, I'm gonna. I, I absolutely love this company. I love the mission. I love everything we do. Um, boss, hope you're listening again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I plan on staying with this company for as long as I, I possibly can. We um, we have plans to bring this service to make this service as, as in, available in every single airport, and I, I could probably take my entire lifetime, and we wouldn't hit all of them, right? So uh, we, you know, I, I think there's a lot of work to be done here. I think there's a lot of room for me to just sort of sit here and grow so i, I don't know i i think i think we're going to be here for a while and as a couple have you ever have a couple go and then that you could take two packages each like you know. yeah yeah absolutely we have a lot of couples we have a lot of groups we we've partnered with a few tour agencies in the new york area so a lot of times these tour agencies will actually be able to go to their website now and say oh group trip to china you know why why is your group trip $500 cheaper than, than anything on the market. Well, we have a partnership with Airmule. So, yeah, we have a lot of groups use our service. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like, do you um, partner with any kind of uh, or, or ad, advertise on any kind of like website or travel sites like Expedia or something like that? Yeah, we've, we've run a few campaigns with, with Priceline in the past. Um, we, we had a flight sale. We, we tried selling flights directly through our platform. We've since discontinued. But to give you an idea of how cheap we were able to sell flights, we were selling round trip flights from the U.S. to China for $199, and we were we were still profitable. And I, I mean, so it was we, we tried doing it just it became a bit of a resource intensive. But yeah, we we've run campaigns with these guys before; they've been fairly successful. So, is there a better time of year for that you're busy? Is it seasonal, or is it pretty much the same all year round? Is there a busy time to go to China and back? Well, so the summer is always busy because there's a there's a, especially in California there's a large um, there's a lot of students that study here 
in the United States and they're going back because that's when their summer terms are. So summer's been busy as well. But in terms of um, going because of price, the fall, which unfortunately we're, we're, we've now exited, but the fall is actually the cheapest time to go. I mean, I think I saw a deal where China Southern was selling flights round trip from LA to China to Beijing or Shanghai for $393. So we, we've had multiple instances where people are actually getting paid to fly because they're earning more than is the cost of their ticket. So that's, wow. that's always fun. So fall for sure. Um, it does get cold in China, contrary to popular belief. It does get very cold in China. So maybe steer clear uh, during the winter months, but summer's great. It also gets very, very hot in China. So yeah. fall and spring, let me just, unless you're, unless you're fine with the extremes of the weather spectrum, fall and spring. That's better for pretty much everywhere in the uh, Northern hemisphere. I always tell people October, November, you get your best deals, and uh, it's pleasant, especially going to a, a place that's not, everybody is not as air conditioned as the US. So uh, I've been to Tokyo, and that's a tip for you. I went to Tokyo in July, which I don't recommend. Because okay. just, uh, yeah, I had to buy extra underwear. Let's just say that. <laughs> Sweat through those babies pretty quick. So can I build status on Air Mule as like a, uh, if I take a lot more trips, am I like a gold member and then I get first call or something? We were actually building that. Um, that's that's a that's a feature that we've had requested from a lot of our users. So it's in the works. It's on the roadmap. You can't yet. Um, you can just, you know, you can be best friends with us. because yeah. you'll Join the frequent Mule program. <laughs> well, this is kind of a cool thing, man. I, I, uh, I'm glad you contacted me because uh, I, might, I might do this if I ever book a, a flight there. I mean, I'm keep wanting to go to mainland China and I haven't because that's another one on my list. So um, yeah, I'll definitely consider it. And I do mileage runs as well. I think that's got to be, that's got to be most of your people, right? It's, 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 I think we here internally are are focusing on mileage runners because I think we all know inside that's going to be our bread and butter down the line, right? Like the casual traveler, I know about Airbnb, I've used it, but I'm not what's, you know, I'm not bringing in the big bucks for Airbnb. It's their corporate accounts. It's the people that are using it often enough. So uh, we've got a lot of focus on those guys and girls. That's good. Well, we got a lot of uh, travel hackers that listen to this. So that's great. So check it out. Give the website uh, one more time and how people can uh, get on board. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, www.airmeal.com. Just click the login register button in the top right hand corner. Uh, And then once you've purchased your itinerary, go and list your trip on our platform and then we'll take it from there. Well, that's awesome. Well, now that as we leave, now that you're a uh, international international man of business, <laughs> what have you learned in the past uh, year or so, just working with Air Mule and going working with uh, the Chinese and in this global market? How has it uh, changed the way you look at things? Yeah, well, I mean, if if I were to have a kid now, that thought is escaping me. But Defender. if I, yeah, exactly. If I were to, um, you know, China is poised to become the the global market leader here in 20 or so years it's you're not going to stop it there's a lot of innovation going on in china um for example the world's largest starbucks was is now in shanghai they have an ar experience it's thirty thousand square feet i remember reading this article i'm like only in china do these absurd insane experiences happen so i think what i've learned uh you know first and foremost working at a startup you know for your entrepreneurial listeners or anything like that but working at a startup cannot be overstated enough how important it is or how 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 valuable the experience is but yeah working at a startup has been great and then china is just it's 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 this country that no one talks about that everyone has a poor perception of that you know a lot of western travelers um i'll, I'll be honest a lot of our 
a lot of our a lot of our users have the last name Wang, right? They're not mm-hmm. Jessica or Christopher or Brian. <laughs> Steve Johnson here reporting for duty in China. Uh, so you know we we you know Sean Yang, right? So uh, we have a lot of, uh, of of Chinese users, but to a lot of the the more Western individuals, I've just learned how how of course I'm biased here, but I've learned how how beautiful of a place China is. There's a lot of scenery that you would never think of. It looks like New Zealand. There's some places of China that look like New Zealand. I mean, people forget how big of a country this is. So that's, I, I've learned a lot about China. <laughs> that's great. And well, I appreciate you uh, contacting me. Thanks for doing this. And uh, I'll let you know next time I go to China. Air Mule. I like the name. <laughs> I like it. Thanks, Jared. No problem. Thanks. Thanks. For- I want to China, China.